Support for this podcast series comes from Carpe Diem Education. Carpe Diem provides upwards of $150,000 per year in in in-kind and financial donations that make the study abroad portion of Carpe Mundi programs possible for Carpe Mundi students. To learn more about Carpe Diem, visit www.carpediemeducation.org. Welcome to the fourth and final episode of Carpe Mundi's first ever Capstone podcast series, Route of Passage. For those of you who are new to Carpe Mundi or have missed previous episodes, we are a nonprofit organization in Portland, Oregon that supports low-income college students through a year-long mentorship program that includes an experiential educational study abroad semester through our partner organization and podcast series sponsor, Carpe Diem Education. In more ways than one, its study abroad experience ends up being a rite of passage. Our students take the opportunity to reflect on what they've learned throughout their journeys, culminating in a final capstone project where they share their stories at a live event. This year, we're taking the students' voices online, coming to you over the airwaves. We're excited to share their stories, statements, and conversations of growth and inspiration with you. I'm Rachel Anderholder, and my co-host today is a very special new addition to Route of Passage, our second new alumni intern joining us this summer. I'm Maritza Gabriela Zapian. I studied in Guatemala last spring with two of the storytellers that you will hear from today. Today's episode is themed Determined to Rise. Rachel, can you think of a challenging moment that made you want to give up at the time, but taught you in the long run? I think when I think about that in terms of my travels, uh, there was a time when I was living in Costa Rica teaching English, And I was teaching preschoolers, kindergartners, and first graders. And I had a lot of moments that were really hard. And the kids would like run away from me screaming like, la teacher, no! They would try and get away from me. And I didn't understand why. And it made me really sad. And and it was just a challenging moment wondering why I was there and if I was, um, you know, benefiting the students and and what it was benefiting for me and there would be days where I would ride home on my bicycle just crying because the day was so hard and in the long run um, that experience taught me that while I did not want to be a teacher in the future that I was super passionate about education and finding ways to make learning more fun and exciting and relevant to students and that's really um, one of the passions that I have for Carpe Mundi. So I'm so glad that I stuck it through to see the lesson on the other side because it it definitely taught me a lot. I love that. Well, today we're going to hear from our four students, two who traveled with me to Guatemala, one who traveled to Thailand, and one who traveled to India, who all came out of their study abroad experiences with a new sense of strength in themselves. Carpe Mundi purposely stretches students' comfort zones in many ways which can be challenging in the moment, but creates room for growth in the long run. There was a lot of moments that I struggled with homesickness while I was traveling, but looking back on this experience now, I've noticed I gained a new perspective on life and what I appreciate. Our first student to start it off today will be Daniela Baltag, who traveled to Thailand and shares how she used her experience to clean up what she defines as a very messy life. Before the trip, I was a chaotic mess. All my life, I took academics seriously and had this genuine love for learning, but I was pushing my human boundaries. In high school, I was constantly busy with homework, church life, extracurricular activities, and family drama. 
things always felt rushed. I was always going to bed late and having trouble sleeping soundly and skipping meals. I let my phone take advantage of me with all the time I spent on social media and whatnot. Life felt messy, and I needed a break to breathe. And that is how I decided to fly to Carpe Mundi. My trip with Carpe Mundi helped me reach my goal of slowing down. Reaching this goal meant changing the everyday habits I was unconsciously letting ruin my peace and well-being. There are a number of things I got out of this trip, and I have many unforgettable memories. But my biggest takeaway are the daily habits I was forced to practice in Thailand. A happy forced, I promise. Um, a huge habit change was how I slept. I got to experience the benefits of feeling ready to go to bed and getting proper sleep. Because I did not have my phone for the entirety of the trip, I slept like a child. Well, at least I tried with all the chickens. Without my phone, I was able to feel tired, and I was ready to go to bed to rest around 9 o'clock, which was extremely early for me. But having proper rest helped me function and enjoy the day to come. Since I was going to bed earlier, I was waking up earlier naturally, instead of forcing myself to get out of bed each morning. This was a shocker, a huge change. This gave me time to stop procrastinating my faith and getting some Bible time in the mornings, which I had tried for so, so long. Before this trip, I had never had a steady rhythm and balance to my day. So having these quiet mornings helped me realign my intentions and aspirations for each day. My relationship with food was also an amazing change. I personally did not know I could eat so much until I was given the time for three full meals a day, which were each packed with rice and vegetables. In Portland, I was always either skipping meals or not understanding my body enough and when I was hungry. Um, I was often feeling pretty tense and anxious throughout the day which ruined a lot of moments, I have to be honest. Um, but now that I know it's because of hunger, uh, not giving myself the time to eat properly meals, I can change these things. Yeah, I believe slowing down and being mindful while eating helped me understand my body more. Another really big change was living life without my phone. I noticed many differences right off the bat about myself, like connecting more with my emotions. I started crying more at simple yet beautiful conversations and views with my teammates and leaders. I also started trusting my own abilities, like finding places without my GPS. Um, I felt grounded knowing I could find my way around and live life without um, and live my life without having to be dependent on my phone. Overall, it felt like I was connecting with myself and living wholeheartedly. I loved my lifestyle in Thailand. It was the healthiest life I have ever lived and lived and felt. After coming back to Portland, I am able to control my phone use habits better, go to bed earlier, and give myself time to eat my meals mindfully. I have even started cooking more at home, which is really fun. All these little things help me realize I am in control and I have the power to change these habits. I really do. Um, I do not need, I do not have to be bound to the opinions and pressures of outside forces. It is hard to be consistent with these habits, I must say, and I slip many times. <laughs> um, but when I think back to the trip, I, remind, I am reminded to slow down and connect with these habits once more. Because of this experience, I can continue to live more wholly and slowly. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Daniela. I think it's really important to be able to point out areas of your life that you want to change, and then to actually do it is a really big deal.
Next up, we have Sule Vasquez, who in a conversation with her mentor, Carol, talks about a conscious change she made after an injury while traveling, and that change was to be strong for herself. So Sule, when we were in Guatemala, you probably gave me the biggest scare of my entire trip. You got pretty hurt, and I wasn't even there for it. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit of what you remember about your accident. Well, that day, I know I wasn't feeling like very well. So my homestay family decided to take me and Angie to town to pick up some medicine just to make myself feel better. Um, I remember that we went looking for a taxi because I did not want to go on a chicken bus back home. <laughs> and as we were negotiating the taxi, I decided to open the door. Uh-huh. As I opened the door, I fell into this, it's like a, a grate. Mm-hmm. And my left foot went up and my right foot went right through it. Wow. My body fell into shock. At first, I did not feel the pain. But as we were going through those bumps, I felt the pain Mm a lot. Like, it was just rushing through my body. And she was really scared because she, like, didn't know what to do. And the little kid that was with our homestays kept crying. She kept yelling. And it was just a lot to handle in that moment. Mm. As we got to the place where we were staying and you rushed over to find you and Topher because she did not know what to do and she was scared. Hmm. Yeah, I I remember that. I remember Angie and she told me that your right leg had slipped through a broken sewer grate and so it fell like all the way down to where the grate was at your hip and then your right leg was still on the street. It just sounded like a gymnastic split gone terribly wrong. And we rushed over to your homestay. Yeah, I was in so much pain. I don't even remember how I got out of the taxi upstairs into our room. And then I don't even remember like how I got down mm-hmm. from my room into the taxi to go to the hospital. I never knew that so much pain could like block you out to the point where you don't remember. I just know we, um, we had to go get David. And David went with you to the hospital. Right. Yeah. Do you remember anything about that ride to the hospital? No, I don't remember any of it. Yeah. You told me that you wanted to be distracted so that you wouldn't cry, even though you were in so much pain. And I just want, I wanted to be like, but it's okay to cry. And when we got into the hospital, they wanted to, you know, get an x-ray and and all of that. Yeah, I I feel like I just remember getting a shot mm-hmm. and you telling me it was going to be fine. Me struggling to go to the bathroom. Yes. You had to help me. Right. We mm-hmm. went into the x-ray room and the ladies were being so rough with me. They were just like tossing me from one bed to another. Mm-hmm. And on our way there, I remember telling you, do you hear that, Carol? They're watching TV. 
<laughs> yes, I I do. I was like, and oh. you looked at me, and I was just like, Carol, like, is this the best hospital? Because like they're watching TV, and <laughs> I'm about to get an X-ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember that, and I just remember like the way that they were lifting you and putting you onto the to the bed and and all of that, and it was really rough. I I like felt the pain for you. I was cringing. How was it, I guess, coming back from from that hospital visit? And yeah, what was that like? Normally, I feel like back in the back here or back home, I would have like let myself cry and I would have allowed myself to do more stuff. Mm. But I felt like I had to be like strong for myself. Mm. Just knowing that like my parents weren't there. Mm. And I feel like the hardest time where I felt like breaking was when me and Topher went to Shayla by ourselves just so I could go back to the doctors. I remember not wanting to go. And I remember me and Topher being at the doctors and them giving me all this information and me and Topher not knowing how to like take it all in. He was trying to take it all in and his face was like blank. So that kind of scared me. I thought of all the bad outcomes, like, what if I have to stay in the hospital? Like, what if I can never walk again? Like, all these bad things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a person that, like, likes to be hugged when I'm going through a rough moment. <laughs> and I remember Topher, as we got the news, he looked at me and he said, do you need a hug? <laughs> and I remember being like, no, Tover, I do not need a hug. <laughs> and I was just like, Tover, I need Carol. And so he called you and I was like freaking out. And then he walked out and then he came back in and he was like, are you sure you don't need a hug? And I was like, Tover, no, I do really, not need a hug. He really just wanted to give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I did not know how to cope with that. And I just, I, I, I feel like I did not feel bad at the moment, but now looking back at it, Topher was just trying to help me mm -hmm. and me with all my pain and everything. I feel like that was the hardest moment, like not having my family around and just not having my group of friends around me. Right. But besides that, I feel like even having Topher there, it made me stronger because I told myself that I should be a parent for myself. Did you get to talk to your family at all? Or did you even want to tell them what had happened? Um, I knew at first I wasn't so open about like talking to them. I remember just calling my mom and telling her I got hurt, but I was fine. I also remember me calling her one time I went to the doctor and just asking her for money mm -hmm. I did not give her no explanation <laughs> nothing I was just like I need $300 can you send them and put them in my account she was like what's happening like she was panicked but I just didn't want to like alert my family and have them worry about me because I felt like they would think I could not handle this by myself Especially and so it was a way for me to like 
show them that I was able to handle it mm-hmm. with them not being there. And where did you find comfort? Um, I feel like I found comfort in you and just Oscar and Tia and Kim and Lester. All of them just trying to make me laugh. They were just the best, always trying to help me. Mm-hmm. And I got so much appreciation for them. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think getting to hear that is, yeah, is just really helpful to, to like even understand what it's like to, to get hurt in another country. Before you left, would you have gone knowing that this would happen? Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I would do it all over again if I could. Really? Because it's a lesson learned. And, you know, they say what doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. And I've become more independent. So I took this in as a lesson. And I'm so happy I was able to learn this and experience it. It was a way for me to push my boundaries. I bet you if I would have known, if I would have done this, like, fallen back home, I probably would have cried to my mom. But being abroad, I was able to find new ways to find strength and strengthen myself and my friends and my mentors. Even having Topher there made me strong. So everyone helped me a lot. I feel like I actually didn't want to leave from there because I loved it so much. So it was great having that opportunity. So I would do it all over again. I loved it so much. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your story, Sule. Yeah. Sweet. Being on the trip with Sule, I witnessed firsthand how brave she was being in regards to the situation. And I was inspired by how she handled being injured without her family there and still made the most of the experience. This marks the halfway point of our episode. And I'm also feeling inspired by both Daniela and Sule and their determination to identify a change they wanted to make and then to see those changes through to fruition. We'll take a break to hear a word from our sponsors, but stay tuned for the second half of our episode where we'll hear how to not get eaten by animals in India. Hint. Stand up and keep on going. This podcast episode is sponsored by Curve CNC, a longtime friend and supporter of Carpe Mundi. Curve CNC is a routing and fabrication studio based in Portland, Oregon. Curve CNC is available for custom projects as well as larger product runs, including exhibit and furniture components, retail fixtures, signage, and cabinet parts. Curve CNC provides routing and fabrication services for general contractors, cabinet makers, designers, and architects. To learn more, please visit curve-cnc.com. That's C-U-R-V-E-C-N-C.com. A big thank you to Carpe Diem and Curve CNC for the support. In the second half of this episode, we're going to hear from two more students who use their journeys to rise above the ordinary and stand up for themselves. First, we'll hear from Grace Howard, who found a strength she never knew she had while hiking in India, literally having to force herself to stand up. 
felt like lying down and letting the animals eat me. I was in so much pain. Um, I had been hiking for, I don't even know how long at this point, and my leg was just in throbbing, excruciating pain every time I took a step down. I kept on trying to convince myself to keep on going, keep on going, but as I ascended up the mountain, I realized all of that motivation is dwindling, and I need to help myself fast. Or, in fact, I would lie down with the with the animals and let them eat me. So... I kept questioning myself, why are you here? You know, why Why did I come to India? Why was I here? And to figure that out, I needed to go back to high school. In high school, I played it safe a lot. I stuck to the academics because that was something that I was simply good at. And I knew that for my college career, I didn't want to get stuck in this perpetual pattern of playing it safe for the sake of being good at things. And um, I had a lot of fear of failure, and I didn't want that to perpetuate again. So... I decided to apply to Carpe because I knew that studying abroad was something attainable to me, something that I could manage. I knew that it would um, be something that would bring me a lot of joy. Um, and it was something that kind of scared me a little bit. I go to India and I am completely enthralled in Indian culture. I absolutely loved it. And I was kind of taking these challenges as they came and I was winning. I was winning India. About a week and a half into the trip, we got into the trek and then we took a bus to base camp. And on our way there, we kind of learned a little bit about the area. We were going to be hiking in the Munara region, which is a tea growing and spice region. Found that very apparent because as we were climbing the side of this rustic mountain, I should say, rustic road with a bunch of potholes and dirt everywhere. The sides of the hills were plastered with these tea plantations and spice plantations. When we arrived to base camp, we settled down for the night, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and we set out on our hike. I was sure of myself at first. Um, I was super confident, and but as we ascended up this mountain, my confidence started dwindling as I realized that my leg had been re-injured. I had re-injured my leg that I had injured like two months prior. I was like, oh no. Oh no. I'm in, I'm in deep. Standing on the side of this mountain, I was like, you know, I should just lie down with the animals and letting them me, whatever. It's fine. This is my destiny. And I realized like, girl, you got to keep pushing. So I I ended up just like kind of having a mental breakdown on the side of this mountain. I started crying. My OE Rebecca came up to me like, hey, like everything okay? And I'm like, no, I don't cry. This is really unusual for me to be crying, especially in front of other people. She was like, well, maybe it helps since you're, you know, letting out some steam. It's totally normal. And I was like, no, crying is a sign of weakness. And then I <laughs> and then I just pulled myself up by my bootstraps and was like, channel your suffering into success. I just kept on repeating to myself, find strength in your suffering until I made it to the top of the mountain. And I made it to the top of the mountain and I just had this wash of accomplishment. That was hard. Like I'm not even gonna front. That was super hard. Um but I made it, and 
I get the same exact view that everybody else did, even though I came in last. I still, I still have that same feeling of accomplishment, that same joy, and the same beautiful view. We were at the top of this mountain. I made it up here. Like, I'm in the clouds. And, <laughs> and it was just the most beautiful view I'd ever seen. I remember sitting on the side of the cliff, looking out with my feet hanging down, and on one side of the mountain was this barren basin. And then behind us where we had came from was this like lush valley. And it was really interesting to see the comparison. On the way back down, I was like super happy. Most of the time I'm leading the group back. But um, I came back home and I'm like, okay, you climbed that mountain. It's pretty cool of you. And I realized that I need to start facing my fears. And one of my fears was to make a vegan food blog. It was something that I had always wanted to do. But again, I was afraid of not being good at it. But I decided I'm going to do it. And so I created this vegan food blog. And I realized even though my mom and I are the only ones that read it, I still find so much joy in making it. And that's what that mountain taught me about myself. So like I shouldn't hold myself back all the time. Grace's story is a good reminder that the perspective from the top is always worth the push to get there. We're glad she found her feet. Our last segment for today features a poem written and performed by Tia Joseph, who, similarly to Grace, stood up for something big. But this time, it wasn't big like a mountain. She learned to stand up for something even bigger. She learned to stand up for herself. I believe. I believe who I am is worth standing up for. Where I come from does not define my future, but only helps make me who I am today. They know my name, but not my story. And when they tell it with lies, they can never be sorry. They hide the truth and never speak. My heart's on ice, I'm in too deep. I carry too much weight in my back and in my heart. I don't know how much longer I can hold it in till I fall apart. Been depressing and stressing all through those years. Repeating its story, I can't shed no tears. Gave me ideas on how to be me, but in reality, it was only what they expected to see. I believe who I am is worth standing up for. I studied abroad and was away for two months. This was my chance to be free and move on. Many meditations to heal the mind and heart, creating a new me that was onto a fresh start. I had a choice to live for them or for me. Time to make a difference or forever let it be. Follow my heart and let go my insecurities. It opened up my eyes and I was finally free. Living two worlds was never that easy. Choosing how to live it was how it should be. Coming back home to a whole new me with my head and chin high ready for them to see. I believe who I am is worth standing up for. 
still dealing with many difficulties, yet still standing strong. Forever on my ten toes, going to prove them wrong. Thanks, Tia. It's so powerful to hear you stand up for who you are and what's important to you. Well, that wraps up today's episode, and it also wraps up this season of the Route of Passage podcast. Thank you again to Carpe Diem Education for making these experiences possible, and to Curve CNC for sponsoring this episode. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the song Quasi-Motion, accessed under the Creative Commons license. And a final thank you to Daniela, Suley, Grace, and Tia for sharing their experiences with us. This is our final episode of Route of Passage, the Carpe Mundi's 2020 student podcast. Thank you for listening with us along the way, and please be sure to check out our show note page on the Carpe Mundi website. You'll get stories of bonus materials, including links to learn more about our sponsors and to learn more about things discussed in the episodes, such as what is permaculture, traveling while black, and more. The final thing we'll share in our journey out is one last travel delay. And now I know that when I do get eaten by animals one day, I will have lived out my life fulfillingly. <laughs> <laughs>